Welcome to Bird Camp Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the pursuit and promotion of upland birds, specifically the rough grouse. So if you like sitting around a campfire with your favorite bird dog and two brothers from Michigan who love talking about upland hunting, this podcast is for you. So let's put another log on the fire and start the show. This is Bird Camp. Welcome to Bird Camp. This is episode 8. We're recording this uh, April 13, 2021. I'm here with my brother Kevin, who is not in jail. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Did you listen to uh, the April Fool's episode? I, of course I did. Yes, I did. But I was clued in on what you said before I got to the episode, like yeah. instantly going, are you really in jail? Are you really in jail? It's like my brother just lit up my phone. <laughs> nice. What would I go to jail for? Well... <laughs> Never mind. Did you like the news segment? I got a little feedback from the news segment. Everybody liked it. There was some real news on there that they aligned Woodcock with um, Grouse starting September 15th. Everything else was fake. Just so you guys know, everything else was fake. Everything was fake. (laughs) I noticed that, um, was it Nick Green did one too? Did you see that? I saw that, but... I I forget what what the subject or context was, but it just had me enraptured. I'm going... That can't be. Gets to the end. He goes, of course, this is an April Fool's joke. Same thing we yeah. did. Was, Nick, was, if you're listening, it was funny. But Nobody listens. Oh, they do, too. <laughs> they have to because when you lift my phone up, are you in jail? Do you need bail? That's what one of my friends sent me, one of the bird camp. Do you need bail money? <laughs> so uh, keep going with the interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, welcome to bird camp. This is, uh, like I said, episode eight. Uh, just to let you know, uh, we're two brothers. Uh, we talk about upland hunting, specifically rough grouse, woodcock, but uh, we can get into anything else. Uh, our mission is uh, stories from the field. We like doing that, um, especially the first bird, last bird, best bird. Kind of got that little thing going on. We like to inform and entertain. Um, this uh, episode, we're going to be talking with Dennis Earl Smith. Of the, he's the, known as the Gunstock Doctor. And we're also going to hear a uh, first bird story, probably in, uh, probably do that backwards, probably do the uh, first bird story from somebody in our bird camp first, and then uh, we'll talk with uh, Dennis Earl Smith in a short interview with him. Um, Just to pump our Bark River Knife giveaway, uh, you can see that on YouTube as well as on our website. Uh, That's for uh, anybody that becomes one of our patrons or gives to us through uh, Anchor Support. Or if you buy something, one of our shirts, hats, or a koozie even, uh, we'll hook you up with an entry. We're going to draw for that around September 15th. We're hopefully going to do that up at Bark River Knives if our scheduling works out. Uh, it's a very nice knife. I believe that is the Bravo, Kevin Bravo 1 or Bravo 2. I don't remember. Bravo 1. Bravo, Bravo 1. And it comes with a nice sheath. And it's a Hunter Don't Shoot Me Orange uh, right up the uh, line for uh, Upland Hunters. Um, the handle is, I'm sorry. So tell your friends, spread the word. We're trying to grow our covey um, just to get more listenership and uh, provide us any feedback that you want to. Um, anything else about that? That's our end of our little self-promotion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, That's in short. We'll go ahead and... Uh, segment two. Segment two. And now, the news.
segment eight news in season two, the Michigan Natural Resource Commission or the NRC is will vote on the 2021 beer beer hunting. Did beer I, hunting. I just said beer hunting. I don't even drink. Yeah. Bear hunting. If you want a beer hunt, you don't really need to do that. You just go to the store and buy some. Or go to the bar or the But fridge. if they had beer hunting, that might make it a little more interesting. I bet you'd have a lot more hunters. You know, <laughs> we, we've, we've shot some beer in our life, some beer cans. But the, the bear hunting regulations and quotas, and I know you're thinking, how does this affect upland hunting? Hang with me here. This is the news. The proposed rules and regulations are similar to those in place for the 2020 season with a few key changes, including possible elimination of rules allowing for the placement of bear bait barrels on public lands and and a shift in migratory game bird hunting zones. Uh, Bear hunting regulation quotas occur on two-year intervals and were last considered in 2019. Uh, Obviously, that just hit us because... Most of the up, a lot of up, not most, a lot of upland hunters are migratory hunters. But um, a change in bear bear bait barrels on public lands. Your thoughts, brother? I don't like it. Yeah, we've had some incidents with our dogs. Now, the incident we had on Drummond Island last or near Detour last fall were great hunters. They they were you know they, very professional, and cared about our dog. But you know everybody has a different opinion. It's just. Everybody has the right to hunt, but I just wish there was a way to mark them. I mean, bears can't read as far as we know. Neither can our dogs. But I just wish there was some regulation to mark it. But yeah, cause, I'm not about regulation, but I just don't want my dog getting hung up on something. Getting in a trap. or yeah. yeah, yeah. So if there was a way to make it more visible. I mean, we wear orange. Why couldn't they put a color or something? Maybe, you know, maybe we just don't know the regulation. But the traps we've seen aren't aren't marked. So we'll follow that a little bit. It's not that important to us. Um, There's an update on the season rules. Uh, The changes weren't great. There wasn't much on that on the news. And here's an important one for me. The DNR um, news of April 5th, it's adopt an osprey nest. Cool. Monitor reptiles and amphibians. Yeah, no thanks. I'm out. I, yeah. I just don't want those things around me. I'm out. <laughs> um, and here's a here's one that will affect all the upland hunters. The they've rated the the next week or so the fire danger in northern Michigan very high. Oh, we've hunted off of two major fires in our career, Matt. One up in Newberry, one in the Grayling area. We've got to the perimeters of that. I mean, it, it can be good for the environment, the forest, and the habitat. But sometimes when we get in these situations, those fires will eat up thousands of acres that we hunt on. And we don't want to see that, obviously. Right. We'd rather that the DNR, who does a good job, um, maintain the land. Also in the news, a uh, little comment here. Motorboat shooting ranges and fishing guides and COVID. As we remember, the governor of Michigan last year shut all of that down, uh, some of it temporarily. Um, that was last year. Uh, I think uh, outdoor activities, specifically prohibiting motorboats. Um, this is kind of a question I think we need to stay on top of because. I'm afraid that at some point if the COVID virus grows that we may, I was worried last year we were going to lose our season to executive fiat. And I, you know, with the numbers now, I'm just a little concerned that things could go south for us. Well, if if you listen to the last episode, you know, you got to take hunter safety and be vaccinated. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I'm not. But, 
So, you know, obviously, you know, we work with several organizations here on bird camp and we'll keep informed on that. I don't see it happening since they didn't do it last year, but I think they closed Wisconsin part of their season last year. Uh, Do you remember? No, they're talking about, I'm not sure, but that's the news. That's the news. That's the news. Very cool. And, uh, one other thing I skipped over, Matt, is our counter or a countdown oh, yeah, I was timer. just looking at that i got our website pulled up by the way it's birdcamp.net for those of you who are wondering if we have a website we do and we have a counter on the home page it's countdown to opening day in michigan which is september 15th so right now i'm looking at it, it says 154 days six hours 46 minutes and 28 seconds so i'll be done working in 154 days just so you know brother <laughs> We'll move our mobile studio. I already got my vacation lined up. There you go. There you go. So you kind of, it's weird when spring comes, you kind of start thinking about it a little bit, don't you, in the back of your mind. You're just going, huh. Yeah, because you want to be outside more and you start thinking about it. Is that it? Yeah. yeah that's interesting. And my dog gets really birdie and I start working with her a little bit more, you know. Oh, yeah. When I pulled up, we, we funded a lot in my old truck and I pulled up today and bird dog was ready to go wasn't she she was right at the truck yeah. look, looking at matt like come on it's time to go <laughs> yeah i already took her into lowe's today and she was like okay with that no you have big news on bird dog too don't you? what's that oh <laughs> that's another april fool's thing oh was it i <laughs> <laughs> gotcha <laughs> That's, he told me his bird dog was having puppies, and I was thinking, I think I remember her getting fixed. Yeah, I, she's fixed. I, go, I don't ever remember seeing signs of her not being fixed, which you would obviously, as much I as we hunt. I told her that. I'm like, do you want one? Come on. Come on, do you want it? And what did she say? Dad won't let me have a dog. No, she didn't say anything. <laughs> but I think she sent me, hmm, or something like that. <laughs> I'll have to tell her we thought she was having puppies. Yeah, so I, I told his daughter, and I guess your daughter told you, that uh, my bird dog Maggie was pregnant, which... She's fixed. She's fixed. <laughs> and so's our male. <laughs> I sat there for 20 minutes one night going, uh, I've worked in the sciences and around animals enough. I think I'd recognize the signs if she was in heat and she's never acted that way. <laughs> never put it together. Good. You got me, bro. Got you again. Got me again. Number 1,625,012. So 154 days, six hours, 44 minutes and 45 seconds now. So we'll a minute closer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just. You know, it's like when you got to fifth, sixth period in school in the afternoon. On days like today, you look outside and go, that clock's moving backwards. That's the way I feel about the opening day. It's moving backwards. Yep. So, uh, But I bet all the chicks are out there. Uh, I've seen some people on social media, um, you know, out there in the field, and they're seeing a lot of the birds out there having, having young ones right now. And mm-hmm. So woodcock are back. We want to... Give a shout out to Bark River, who's working very strongly with us. And Matt already talked about the knife, the ways you can get one of four ways to get in become a patron of Bird Camp via Patreon on our website, buy merchandise on our website. The merchandise is pretty cool. Uh, supporting the podcast f- via Anchor. Did I say that right, Matt? Anchor. Yeah, yeah you can just go to Anchor. Yeah fm.com and uh, the easiest way is send us your first best or last bird story we like the humorous ones we like you know and uh or touching we had some really touching ones about dogs and hunting with parents so we we love those stories we get great feedback on that how to reach us email mi.birdcamp at gmail.com and on the web www.birdcamp.net Social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube channel. Check out some of our videos we've done. Uh, 
we'll probably do some more of those in the future. Yeah, we did a couple gun reviews, and then uh, the knife, of course, is on there. Mm -hmm. um, and the knife is American-made, unlike some organizations that give you Chinese knives for helping them out. Duh. Duh. <laughs> that was professional. See, I didn't really say it. It's like Ron White. When he's talking about the bad uh, hotel experience, he goes, I don't, the comedian Ron White, he goes, I, I'm legally not supposed to tell you what hotel chain it was, but there's two trees involved. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> you see a lot of ducks out here. Is Daffy? Donald? <laughs> no. Wood duck. Pintail? Wood duck? Mallard? Mallards. 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 A lot of little black ducks. Wood ducks. So... I got those uh, two pontoons. I'm making them into duck blinds. Uh, you gonna have the guys from Indiana come up here and do some duck hunting? Possibly. Let's do this a little test. See if they ask you about it. This will be a test if they listen to the podcast. Oh, I like that. So you bozos from Indiana that don't give us any contributions or even listen to the podcast. <laughs> I have a hundred plus acre lake with two duck blinds that are gonna be set up and a bird dog. Are you gonna come duck hunt here before you go out? And they travel up north. Let, let's just see if they respond. Yeah, I like. Well, you and I'll start a pool on who. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you can't tell Kevin. You got to go onto our website and yeah. send an email in. Yeah, yeah. Qu qu quit harassing me about the bird camp. You know, sending me messages. Are you in jail? Well, the the duck thing is interesting. I I hope this fall we get more time to duck hunt. I uh, I, I do enjoy it. It's just not grouse hunting to me, but it's it's decent. It's, it's okay. fun. It's fun. Especially it's right here in my backyard. As we get older, we it's yeah, we don't have to walk. Yeah. I could drive right down there, couldn't I? But I I uh I don't know. So I uh maybe we'll be telling some duck stories in the future. That'd be kind of fun. But we do have a first bird story coming up, don't we? Yeah. Somebody from our little cubby hunting group. Sammy G. So Sammy was is gonna come on and he's gonna talk about his first bird story right after this. All right, here we go. Hey, bud. How's it going? You're on the Bird Camp Podcast, Sam G. Sam G on the Bird Camp Podcast. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, What's new in the Northwoods? Any any airplanes flying very low of your house with the passenger puking out? Oh, dude. Are you at my house right now? I'm at <laughs> Monon getting meat, dude. Are you idiots flying around? No, we're doing our podcast. And okay. you, you are on the season two episode eight so we only need one quick thing sam i know you're busy you got to tell us your first grouse story my first grouse well it took me at least four if not five years of coming up to the great woods of northern michigan with my good buddy brother kevin and his brother and uh and doc I would say and doc and, and doc, doc doc from from indiana that will remain nameless and big a <clears throat> Don't yep. forget Big A. Yep, Big A. Yep. Mister, I can be on my cell phone and still shoot a bird somehow. <laughs> He's coming up in the future. We're gonna true get, story. We're gonna true get story, him folks. But, it's a true story. Hey, I, I know you're busy. I was talking to you earlier, as we always do, but uh, let's get into your first bird story. You go. Okay. And I'll try so, not to tell the story because it's a good story. Okay. So we had tramped around a couple areas that day, and we'd walked, I don't know, at least six, eight miles and again, this had been several years in the making where I was a little bit confused as to what I was actually hunting, the elusive grass. 
And so we had, uh, Kevin and I had gone down a, a sandy road and um, we kicked one up and it went into the woods. So we went out crashing the woods and um, we looped around and nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, we popped out, uh, uh, Kevin, my navigator, uh, got us out on the trail. And, uh, and what, did, uh, what did I do 20 yards further on for where that bird flush? What did I do? Uh, you put an X on the ground. I drew an X on the ground in the trail. And why did I do that, Sam? What did I? When we came back about an hour, 40 minutes later, we thought the bird would settle back down because we never got a shot at it. When and Kevin was right. X marked the spot. <laughs> what did I turn to you and say? He's going to be behind that tree if he's back, didn't I? That's right. Exactly right. And what happened? Tell, tell from there, because that's the funny part. Well, so uh, as we're looping, literally looping back to the X on the sand trail, uh, I look at Kevin, I go, you hear that? And he goes, and you go, what in the world? And here comes a side-by-side just hauling. We about had to step off the trail to avoid getting hit. But uh, so after we checked our britches after that, we kept on a walking over towards X marks a spot. And we come around the curve and Kevin goes, bird, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. And by then it's like, oh, that's what a grouse looks like. Boom. <laughs> and Sammy, Sammy has us yelled bird, 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 because it came out from behind the tree, right, yep. right beyond the X, like, like I planned it. X marks it. a spot right there. I go, bird, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. Bird's lifting, getting ready to spread its wings, and Sam shoots. And, you know, we want to take birds on the wing, but these birds are hard to hunt. We're okay with that, right? And uh, and you were just stunned. And I remember what you said to me, Sam. You turned to me and says, my gun was up against my shoulder. He goes, how many more did I get? I go, you got one more shoot before I drop that bird. (laughs) (laughs) But we have some good pictures of that. We'll put that up on the website. That's a good story. And you're kind of hooked now, aren't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's been several. I've been going up there now with Kevin and Doc and Big A uh, and and Kevin's brother now since oof, 2011, 2012, yeah, something like, that. something like that. It's been a long. We've hunted everything from Drummond to the kind of the East Mid UP and everything down. The only place we haven't gone, Sam, is to the Northeast Lower Peninsula. We've missed that with you, but we'll get, mm-hmm. we'll get there. We got years left, don't we? But yep. it, one last question. Any, any uh, shotgun purchases? Uh, recently, um, over the last couple of years, uh, as we actually relocated from, uh, let's just say the Indianapolis area up to where I live now, grew up in Northwest Indiana. Uh, my wife and my son actually into shooting and uh, my son even did uh, shooting sports for 4-H a couple years ago so I got him a uh, 20 gauge uh, just a decent starter pump it was a uh, Stevens assist uh, with the sister company of, of Ithaca I believe but then I got my wife a uh, 500 20 semi-auto which uh, I've actually been tempted to bring that thing up to bird camp. Yeah, I've been waiting for you to show up with a new bird gun. I just kind of think it's going to happen. But, hey, we don't want to take away from your day. I know you're probably busy, and we just wanted to get an extra guest on, and uh, we like the first bird stories. So 
We appreciate yep. your time. And uh, I'll bird, t- bird, bird, shoot, shoot, bird, shoot, bird, 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 shoot, 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 last, last shoot, <laughs> last shoot. But I, uh, we appreciate you, Sam, and you're, you're one of the great ones in our camp that helps us out. So thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll give you a little buzz on my way home. How's that? Sounds great. You have a great day, Kevin. See thanks you, Sam. Again, brother. Bye-bye. We'll you. Bye. Well, that was an interesting story from Sam G. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that and maybe learned a little trick on the trail. And it was awesome. I, boy, I can't even count how many first birds we've gotten for people in our group. All of them, I guess, for me, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, continue to send the or contact us. We love those first, best, or last. And up next, Matt. All right, we got our guest coming up, and uh, this will conclude our episode eight. Um, it is Dennis Earl Smith, a gunstock doctor, and he's also part of the American Gunmakers Guild. Yeah, interesting guy. Uh, very, very talented. Yep, and you want to check out his website. Uh, it's just a short interview, but there is so much more to learn on his website. And if, if you have any issues with any of your gunstocks, um, or you want a new gunstock, your gunstock's broken, he's the guy. Yeah, he does... Um... I think he told me he does custom fitting. Is that right? Measuring? Fitting. Custom fitting on gun stocks. Uh, we'll see what he has to say about that, too. All right. And here comes that interview. Stay tuned. Okay. We're back with a Burt Camp podcast. And we have a very special guest today. We're very excited about Dennis Earl Smith, the Gunstock Doctor and American Gunmakers Guild. Is that correct, Dennis? Now, it's the stock doctor. The stock doctor. I put gun in there for some reason, didn't I? The stock doctor. And uh, we're we're super excited to have you. Uh, We've been looking for somebody like you, and thanks to our mutual acquaintance for getting us in touch with you. And uh, we talked yesterday briefly and setting this up, Dennis, and you, you made a very clear point, which I think needs to be defined. You're not an engraver. That's a whole different field, correct, Dennis? That is an entirely different skill, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how did you get into, uh, well, I'm going to call it woodworking, because um, there had to be some start there, didn't there? Well, I have uh, I have always been very good with my hands and always artistic, um, but I got started in the industry in 1981 because Sears Roebuck and Company laid me off, and I had to feed my family. Oh, the American story. <laughs> now, did you did you uh, carve and play with wood before that, or did you just? Uh, no. You obviously had no. some experience, or somebody put a knife or a chisel in your hand at some point, correct? Nope. Really? That's I, that's interesting. I'm a musician, and I learned the skills of uh, working in the earth with my, from my mom and dad were very, very much blue collar and very much, uh, if it didn't get, if you didn't do it, it didn't get done. Yeah. It sounds so, like, sounds like our upbringing, huh, brother? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. And what was the first gun stock you worked on, Dennis? First gun stock I ever worked on was a timber of Oregon. That's the company that I got hired with at 1981. And that's how I got into the industry. Really? Literally. literally. 
Just jump I in. I got hired. To, the stock shop needed somebody to uh, work in their production project, and so I started basically from the ground up inside Timber of Oregon, and they hired me as a machine operator, which I knew nothing about operating their machines. I'd never done it before. So it was a learning curve. But, you know, the learning curves are always those the kind of things that get you pushed in a different direction. And when you make mistakes, you know, the old saying, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. I stuck my finger in an 80 PSI vice while I was machining and wound up being moved into the paint booth. And from that back end of the paint booth, I learned the gun-making trade from the ground up, literally. That's very interesting, Dennis. <clears throat> and you just jumped around and learned every part of it? You did. I didn't get a choice. As the finisher, I had to make sure that everybody else did their jobs. So I guess I had to learn their jobs to get it done. You were part quality control, it sounds like. Yeah. It became well. That's very yeah. interesting. And uh, most of the work you do is it uh, power equipment, or do you still use the hand tools? And I am the machine. You are the machine. Okay. I am the machine. Yeah, yeah. I I've never been called a machine, but <laughs> that's okay. Is this the start of Terminator? Oh wait. no, yeah, no, that's not Terminator. Oh, okay. And and. Uh, What's the state of the business now? You're out on your own now, is that correct? Yes, I I started the Stock Doctor on May 10th, 1990, while I was working for another company, and the boss didn't object, so I worked for the boss eight hours a day and then worked for myself after I got home because I discovered that in the Portland metropolitan area for Portland, Oregon, Nobody wanted to do the refinishing and fixing of gun stocks. And that's where my forte has been for many years. And I've gotten good at it. Well, obviously, the pictures on your website were incredible. Um, very beautiful gun stocks. Uh, we, we know as hunters that walnuts used a lot. What other stock... Uh, types of wood do you use? Well, walnut is the predominant. But in American history, most hardwoods have been used because it was available. Walnut became the choice because at one point in time, walnut was readily available and cheap to get a hold of. And that's what made it so popular. I did not know that, Dennis. That's fascinating. I, I would imagine like maple would maybe split because I, I do some woodworking, minor woodworking myself, and I, I I didn't know, I didn't realize it's because it was a bountiful supply. I thought it was just the choice. So you're educating me. That's great. And uh, well, yes, it was. Believe it or not, the the entire Ohio. Uh, Missouri, Mississippi, river valleys provided huge amounts of walnut trees. 
just think about it. How many different states do you know know of that have a town called Walnut Grove? Lots, including California. <laughs> yeah, including well, Walnut Ridge. <laughs> that's, that's... The thing is, is that walnut trees grew, black walnut trees grew plentifully all over the place. But maple has been used, oak has been used, uh, butternut has been used, so has uh, cherry, so has uh the two other species of walnut that grow, uh, the royal walnut, which we call now Turkish walnut or California English walnut, uh, that's been, that wood is widely spread worldwide. And then there's always the California variety that became the replacement for all of the manufacturers when the Walnut supply was overused in the after World War One. Being, like black- being used mostly for furniture and trim work, and I would imagine. Uh, well, it was everything. H- how's the supply of walnut? Are, are we in good supply? That's a very naive question because I have no idea. Are there any supply issues with the wood? There is and has been for a few years. Um, California, up until about 19, uh, 1990, was a huge supplier of walnut with the United States. I, I, I hesitate to ask what happened because I think I know is legislated or fires. No, no. Walnut is a cash crop, it is a it's an agricultural crop. As in all things agricultural, the farmers needed to maximize their profit. And to do so, the older trees were downsized into uh, smaller trees that produced oh. more. Oh, that and makes they, complete sense, Dennis. Of course, they wanted the cash crop, so they, they quit letting the trees completely mature. No, what they did was they tore them all out. Really? That's what happened in the 1990s. The Germans and the Japanese came in and said, we want these trees for veneer. And they had what was called the second California gold rush. Literally, it was walnut trees. Really? And a, a walnut burl could bring as much as $15,000 by itself. You'd go to church on Sunday and come back on Sunday after Sunday lunch, and the walnut tree that had been in your yard for 200 years was no longer there. Oh, people were just pirating them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I've sitting in studio with my brother here in Michigan, Dennis, looking at the walnut trees out back, and I'm thinking next time he leaves on a trip, I'm going to take those trees down because it's a cash crop now. <laughs> well, that was that was then. What a lot of people don't realize is that walnut is a very valuable commodity, but it is one of those commodities that you cannot, to make good gun stocks out of, you can't rush it. They need to air dry and not kiln dry. Right, right. Kiln kiln drying has the process 
of actually exploding the internal pores during the drying process, which then causes an awful lot of waste. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Uh, what, what's the favorite stock you've made, Dennis? Do you have a particular one? I know it's hard to say with all the work you've done, but is there one that I, really comes to mind? No. I work on anything from 1692 A.D. forward. If it's got a gun stock attached to it, I do it. But I, I really, really enjoy working on double guns. And I, but I build anything and everything that has to be built, all the way from Stephen uh, Stevens' single shot all the way up. Well, I was working on a Churchill this morning. Were you really? Wow. Oh, man. That's cool. Maybe we can send him dad 16 games. Yeah, yeah. Don't drop 16. that Churchill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Terrible. Well, that's really interesting. I And you, you said you have more work than you could ever handle. Is that correct? No, I just, it, it just is, uh, I have lots of work but i do my average for the last 20 years is between 100 to 120 jobs a year that i turn out and it's not and i but it's that's a job basically is if a a client needs a gun stock fix the reason i'm called the stock doctor is because Breakage by common carrier is the largest contributor to my business for 30 years. I would have never imagined that. The reason I got that that name was UPS was breaking one gun stock a week at Kimber of Oregon, and my boss got tired of replacing gun stocks, and he figured out that... If they can fix furniture, they should be able to fix gun stocks. He walked in and handed me a, a bunch of Mohawk finishing uh, material. He said, I've heard it can be done. You've got two weeks to learn. Here, go for it. <laughs> Baptism by fire right there. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and as far as the finish go on the stocks, I know there's a variety of different finishes that can be used. Um What's yeah. your what? What is your preference? What do you think makes the nicest finish? Whichever one the client prefers. I have currently in my possession nineteen different types of finish, from oil finish to modified finish to varnish. The VOC laws of the United States change, and if you do not own the proper equipment, you are limited to what you currently can use. Polyurethanes, unless you have a commercial uh, facility, it's no longer available to you, to the common person. Really? So I use, I, use, um, I use a product called Pro Custom Oil. It is a modified oil finish. It's a tongue oil-based finish. Mm -hmm that uh, manufactured on the East Coast, and it's a very good finish. 
it's one I use. But like I said, I've got 19 different types, 19 different brands of finish. It depends on what the client wants. If the client demands a London oil finish that is basically made from uh, linseed oil and laxes, then he gets what he wants. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Where, where do you see the future of the business going? Do you think <clears throat> it's going to be pretty, there's got to be legislation and restrictions as you talked about with the finishes. Do you think the future is strong for um, stocks and working on the guns? If you had asked that question a year ago, I would have told you that the sky is the limit. Unfortunately, right now, the the teachers are retiring and the students aren't listening. So I'm not exactly sure from my end of the business, because I fix, repair, or build from scratch, I'd love to have two people on the bench to teach my my skills but the current laws and regulations make it so difficult to do that um that it's almost you know even on a mentor status it gets very difficult not impossible just difficult. That's why the American Custom Gunmakers Guild was exactly born, because the Watson Brothers of London, England, told Don Allen, who started Dakota Arms, and Al Lind, that was my mentor, that we needed in the United States a organization designed specifically to teach others how to do the gun-making guild. Because Britain found out because of World War One and World War Two that all of their craftsmen went away. And they didn't share their information. And they had to learn a whole lot of things all over again which they have done, by the way. The English gun trade is starting to rebound. Well, that's interesting. You know, they lost uh, basically a whole generation, World War One in Western Europe. It just disappeared under the fire, that's, and that's, that's a terrible correct. thing. You had a nice segue there, Dennis, into the American Custom Gunmakers Guild. Um, educate us on that a little bit. Tell the listeners where that fits and why it's important. The American Custom Gunmakers Guild was designed specifically for one reason, and that is to teach others custom gunmaking skills. My fix-it skills are very, very good because if you can't fix it, you can't build it. And because you can build it helps you figure out why something works the way it does 
and why it won't work one way or will work another way. So we have, in the past, uh, held classes during the summer. Uh, matter of fact, there are three classes that will be held, sponsored by the American Custom Gunmakers Guild, by Guild members in Iowa, Grinnell, Iowa, at the uh, local community college there this year. And uh, Dennis Potter, who has long been known as a skilled uh, metalsmith and craftsman, and fantastic teacher. He's done NRA classes for for decades. Uh, Len Pulis, who is the current uh, vice president of the ACGG and a metalsmith and uh, excellent craftsman himself, a dang good marksman too, as a matter of fact. Uh, he likes to shoot black powder uh Ben Trust, and he's very good at it. And then there's uh, Bob Strassen. Bob Strassen is an engraver, and he is a former member of the American Custom Gunmakers Guild, but he's also a member of the Firearms Engravers Guild of America, which we had a symbiotic relationship for 35 years. That's All interesting. That, how, how many members are in, in the guild? We have at the present moment, I believe, 102 members in the guild, and it basically has stayed 102 members. Eh. We've been in existence now for 30, 38, 1983. So, yeah, 38 years. 38 years. Um, it, it, with the, uh, we, we bring in new people every year. This year, because of the COVID, we didn't have our our annual meeting is where we normally induct new members, vote in new members, and it is by vote. It is not a, an invitation. You must prove to us that you have the skills, and there is a set of rules and regulations all laid out in the in the website, which, by the way, is www.acgg.org. And if you want to know what it takes to be a stockmaker, that's all listed. <clears throat> that's excellent. And, that, and that was www.acmg? No, A-C-G-G. ACGG.org. We just want to make sure our uh, listeners have that. Right. But the thing about my business is that I have to be able to cross different forms of shooting disciplines in order to be able to make the gun stocks hit the client. My job is not to teach person how to shoot my job is to make that gun fit the way the person shoots and everybody shoots differently shooting schools are great don't get me wrong i have more than one client and friend who happens to be a shooting instructor but 
sometimes the guns have to be altered to fit the client. And that's where my job comes in. Excellent. Excellent. This is pretty fascinating. I think our listeners will really like this. Um, and the state of, of the guild is everything seems pretty healthy and you guys are happy where you're at. Um, you know, it, we'd like, we'd like to have more members. Yes. We'd like to have more associate members. And yes, there are associate members. Um, matter of fact, the associate membership, yes. Uh, recently put the money together and they have allowed through their largesse 38 years of our publication, The Gunmaker, to be put on CD that then puts 38 years of all the masters. Think of a, think of a master gunmaker that you have uh, heard of in the past. Most of them have articles on how to fix problems, how to do things. It's all in there. Is it? That's very interesting. Very interesting. What else would you like to tell us, Dennis? Uh, we try and keep this to about 20 minutes. We're kind of there. Is, is there something we missed or a call out you need to make? Because, you know, let's make sure your website and everything is out to the covey here so they can look at it. Cause I, I spent a little bit of time looking at some pictures last night and it was really interesting to me. So, uh, how do they get in touch with you as, as the stock doctor? The stock doctor, my website is www.thestockdr.com. You can leave me a message on the email that's there. Don't send pictures because that's for a different, a different uh, contact. But the thing is, is that my job is to serve your needs. If it, you have a broken gun stock, I fix it. If you have to, to have it altered, I can do that. If you need to have it built from scratch, I can do that. If you just have a problem with a gun and you say, what can I do with this? If I don't know the answer, I will find it for you and I will get it to you so that you can take care of the problem. Yeah, I, and I, I know for our group, which is Upland Hunting's the Covey, we, you know, we have issues because we're out there humping in the woods and uh, th that's great information. They know how to get a hold of you and find you. And we'll, we'll put that up on our website and media too so everybody knows how to get a hold of you. Any last parting words, Dennis? Yes. The largest side-by-side -side shooting exhibition in the United States right now is down at Deep River Shooties in uh, Sanford, North Carolina. That is this next weekend, and there are huge double guns all over the place. The ACGG will be there. Unfortunately, I will not be there this year as I will be undergoing uh, medical treatment that came up at the last minute that I couldn't travel. Okay. 
Well, we wish you well with that. We we don't want anything wrong with your medical. We need a stock doctor. I mean, you got to be good, um, right, Dennis? <laughs> um, with, and that that show that showdown in Sanford, boy, that's something in the future I'd like to see because I I uh, my best gun is is a side by side as you guard a Chea, which I'm sure you know. Um, not a yes. high not a high grade, but a you know a nice hunting gun. And uh, yeah. I just have a passion for double guns. Brother does too. And so if we were closer, we're in Michigan, we'd probably attend that, but it's just a little too far for us. So I'm sorry Absolutely. you're not going to make it, and we wish you the best in health. Uh, any Anything else? Thank you very much to the Covey for allowing me to share. I appreciate it tremendously. Thanks. I appreciate that. And so does Matt. We really appreciate that, Dennis. And uh, if you have anything else, uh, we'll stay on with you for just a second and make sure we have all the information so we can add it to our sites. Okay? Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like to enter the knife contest? Check it out at Patreon forward slash BirdCamp. Leave us some feedback, which we would appreciate. Our email is mi.birdcamp at gmail.com. Check us out on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for BirdCamp. Our website is www.birdcamp.net. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next show. See ya.